0: Welcome to TA One, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and birds, and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, uh, media man in the off-road truck racing world. It's uh, this is a little late this week's episode, but um, that's because I decided to wait and put it out with um, size uh, AR analysis so there will be a link to that in the show notes so if you're curious about what we're talking about in the episode you'll be able to go to that and look um, and support what he's doing and included in that is a uh, if you go to the AR Hub website and use the code LEGENDARY you'll get 40% off any t-shirt that they have in the store well, wow, that's a hell of a deal just for forcing yourself to listen to this. Let's see, 5th of December and basically did my first uh, outdoor trek hike with the dog tonight where I needed more than a light jacket. So, I uh, shouldn't complain about climate change as long as this you know, it sucks for you people on the coast, but... Uh, it keeps my winter warmer, so it's okay for me. Uh, Chili kind of likes it because there's a little bit of snow on the ground, so she's constantly rolling. She loves the rolling in the snow. And then that, not much else happening. Oh, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Doug Kreitzer, AR, no, not AR, race director, RD, for Maya Mountain Adventure Challenge. I sent him a message today and says, We should have a helicopter for the race because I've always wanted to shoot out of a helicopter. And he's like, "Okay, I'll ask." So, way to go, Doug! I love it when they just don't say no; they'll at least ask. And um, that's it. I need um, I need some Christmas ideas. Yeah, that's that's the trouble when you when you need something, you get it. What do you do for Christmas? So. If you have any great Christmas ideas, um, send me a message, either for me or for those that I like to give things to. So, that's it. Get this posted. Get it up. Get it ready. Get it posted as soon as I get the link to size um, analysis. This will be out, so go fast. Take chances and... Um, uh, enjoy the weather wherever you are and uh, thanks for listening how about Bye now can you hear me ah, yes now I can
1: there we go probably helps if I unmute myself
0: oh uh, well I'd say what a dummy but I don't know how many times I've done that <laughs>
1: <laughs> you think the glowing red light meant good but no, no apparently
0: yeah, not. Yeah. Well, yeah, like red means race right on the highway right
2: yeah there you go <laughs>
0: So, ah, cool. Um, I hope I remember how to do this. It's been like uh, been like a month since I've had done an interview. So,
1: oh really? I was just listening to um, the Brenton Annie uh, one yesterday morning. So I thought we were uh, uh, you were still back into it.
0: Well, I I recorded that before I went to Mexico. So
1: okay. Oh right. Yeah, gotcha.
0: See, I'm I'm sneaky. I do them ahead of time. So, okay, let's start with, seems like everything is working. Let's start with the important stuff. Which is your favorite Dan Carlin podcast?
1: Oh, wow, yeah. You asked the tough questions, right, as we get started. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, they're all great. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'd have to say Wrath of Cons was the one recommended to yep. me to get started, and it definitely did not disappoint um I think I've listened to just about all of them. The Fall of Rome series was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, actually I'll, I'll stick with my gut instinct, which is Wrath of
0: Cons. Yeah. I really like that, and I used that when I went to PQ Tahoe. I listened, took all the way out and all the way back to listen to it.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean it's, it's audible. It, it's Each episode is a book yeah. essentially. Yeah. And so, yeah, Yeah. it was like it can just make any road trip, just fly by 32
0: hours. But but I'm going to go with his uh, World War One. Okay, just because, you know, I like history. I've been always been more of a World War Two guy, but all those places, I knew them. you know what? I've heard them, But then when he describes them all and all the battles and what really went on, it's like.
1: Yeah, it's it's unbelievably like, you know, uh, just how he can bring it to life. Right. And get you. Caught up in it. Exactly. I love putting them on like during really long trail runs, and next thing you know, you're like, oh, I just ran over that mountain. I didn't even realize because that's so like, you know, focused on the Visigoths (laughs) sacking Rome.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So, um, while we're at it, any others you listen to?
1: Oh, gosh. I'm a podcast fanatic. Um, you know, NPR does so many great things. Um, I love like Planet Muddy and Freakonomics. Um, a lot of sports science ones. Uh, I'm a big fan of. Um, I guess I should probably put a shout out to TA One and Reckoner podcasts, of course. That's good. Uh, you know, top of the list, top of the list, no doubt. Yep.
0: Which and Kyle's going to be on in a few weeks, so.
1: Oh, good, <laughs> yeah. great. So yeah.
0: So I'm kind of doing a. Uh, how's a nice way to put this? The geek nerd. Yeah, uh, sure. I'll bo- take that. Post. I was going to go with
1: like n- not great racers, <laughs> but just passionate about the sport. But yeah, I'll take geek nerd yeah. too. well, we
0: can we can do the passionate. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. It, it. Welcome to the podcast. Podcast, but it's funny because so many people listen to them, and I literally don't know anyone close that listens to them. So it's like there's a still a huge market for people podcasts out there
1: yeah. So. oh yeah yeah Oh, I mean it's just getting started yeah. really which is crazy to think of but um, yeah the, the market is just beginning to get tapped for it
2: yeah.
1: a lot of opportunity um, which is crazy to think because I mean there's thousands of them yeah. right like I have the problem of I can't even like find the quality ones anymore now I just wait for recommendations rather than trying to find things just because it's just it's too easy right yeah. there's no barrier to entry uh, so. Duh! <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, I kind of walked into that one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and literally, I I I started because I was listening to a one uh, by a bike racer named Mike Creed, and realized that even if it's technically crappy, if it's interesting, it's really interesting. So, right? I thought, well, I can I can make this sound as, at least as good as his is, <laughs> and <laughs> and honestly even though this is my little one man thing i listen to some podcasts that like you know one guy is like this and the other guy is like this and it's like it's really hard to do yeah. when you get earbuds yeah. on so
1: yeah it's amazing yeah. yeah
0: so my goal is to have interesting people on and keep the audio levels pretty much the same
1: <laughs> just yep the occasional like parakeet, parakeet just squawking in the background, but uh, other than that, yeah.
0: And Jimmy's here, huh? Well, <laughs> of course. Of course. And then she won't say anything when you want. Um, let's, I'm, I'm. Let's talk racing first. <laughs> yeah. So, how'd you be, How did you become a member of the tribe?
1: Yeah. Um, so, senior year of college, up in New York. Uh, I think I was shopping for some shoes at an EMS store and uh, saw this poster for a race um, and, you know, had a bunch of different, uh, you know, images of biking and running and paddling. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. Um, and, you know, a long-since defunct uh, race uh, out of Bear Mountain, uh, New York, which was like 20-minute drive from my school. So I got another buddy – of mine um, We just signed up to do it We borrowed bikes We rented canoes um, Showed up Not knowing what was going on um, And just had a blast And f- like funny enough The race organ- organizer Had a uh, Robin Benacasa there I, you know No idea who she was But like they were making A big deal out of it And like She led a bunch of racers That were like first timers And me and my buddy You know both being 21, 22 We two, we're like eh, we don't need any of that Like um So we just charged off ahead Um You know came in middle of the pack. Um, so just kind of using the the spry energy of a 21 year old to overcome the gross technical, uh, shortfallings that we had on the bike and the paddle. Um, and just had a blast, you know, uh, and at the time, you know, I was in the military and uh, bounced around from all across the South and then moved over to Europe and kind of, you know, fell off the wagon, the AR wagon there. Um, Unbeknownst to me, I mean, actually I missed some huge opportunities being living over in Germany for three years, uh, but I guess I just wasn't even looking really for AR. So it wasn't until about 2010 when it came back to the States um, and it was back down in the south uh, and landed kind of right in the, the hub of um, trailblazers who unfortunately are now closed out of uh, the Georgia area. And then uh, Bushwhackers, when I was up in North Carolina, who also, unfortunately, have now kind of closed shop. Um, and so that allowed me to kind of get back into the sport and really start racing. Uh, then I got moved over to Fort Lewis, Washington, out of Seattle, mm-hmm. um, where there's a couple good uh, race organizations. Crank out of Seattle, uh, Quest Racing out of Bellingham, and then, of course, the Bend Racing slash Yoga Slackers out of Bend, Oregon. Um, and when I got out of the military up in Seattle, that's kind of when I transitioned to like, you know what? This is, this is my sport. This is what I like to spend my money on and I use my free time on more than anything else. And so that's when I really kind of doubled down and I would say I really joined the tribe.
0: So what, what level are you? How good, how how good, how good a racer are you? Um, better in quest. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: much, much, much better than Quest, especially Brent. Um, the other guys, no, no, I don't stand a okay. chance to, but at least I can beat Brent. Uh, no, um, yeah, so I actually, if everyone who's listening doesn't uh, doesn't know, I, was, I got my very first win just like three weeks ago after racing since I, uh, you know, over a decade now, got onto the podium, um, and I Beat, we beat quest which is our you know our, region, our local rivals and uh, they're a very 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 good team um, it was just our day yeah. uh, you know finally uh, but um, you know I've, I've never done an expedition race actually and it was just this morning that I registered for my first expedition race um, can go down to uh, expedition Oregon um, next summer don't have a team yet kind of I got 50% of a team but we'll figure that part out later get time um, yeah 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 so. And so, you know, I'd say by kind of the AR standards of norm, I'm not much of a racer simply because, you know, I think by and large our community we measure racers by how long do you how long of a race have you gone and like how miserable have you been? And since uh, you know the longest I've done so far is a 30 hour, I'm I'm, I'm probably not uh, not on anybody's significant uh, <laughs> list of best racers around.
0: Yeah, but I think that 30 hours is the point. The, the breaking point. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that are never going to race more than 30 hours and don't want to. Oh Lord, no, yeah, um, yeah. But what? Um, okay, it's taken you 10 years to get your first win. Is that just how long it takes a normal person? You know, let's you, let's say you're not Nathan Five A. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um, if you're not him. <sighs> Yeah, uh, I don't have a good answer for that. Uh, Hopefully not, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess it all depends on kind of the environment. Uh, I imagine there's some really good racers out of Virginia and Pennsylvania who are just struggling, right, and keep getting beat by the same folks because it's such a hotbed. Um, But uh, I guess it all kind of depends on the local market and how competitive it is. I suppose. And frankly, I mean, you know, uh, adventure racing by and large is just the ability to endure, right, to continue when a lot of – a lot of parts of your body say no. Nah, let's let's call it quits. Um, it's not a speed thing by and large. No. And can you keep your wits about you when you're not uh, when you really rather be asleep? Yeah. So that uh, certainly favors a, a different type of person. And you know, unless you're finding yourself in that situation frequently, doing you know short six hour races, it, you may never get to the first place.
0: Well, that's true, but um, well. I think when you start, obviously, you know, you got to finish. First, you got to learn how yep. to finish. Then the yep. speed starts cranking up. And yep. This, this is what I, what you should. Um, uh, here's your homework. <laughs> it's pretty early in the podcast for homework. You should figure out a way to see how much faster adventure races are now than they were ten years ago.
1: Oh, um, I like that.
0: Because you know they are, I like right? That a
1: lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, because yeah, uh, you know my uh, go-to for that is when the Leadville mountain bike race started. It was you know, can you finish? And now it's uh-huh. like you know, you got to go race. You got to race for seven hours if you want to do well. And
1: I yeah yeah absolutely. Um, that is a really great question. Yeah. It, yeah, you know. Well, we're building the infrastructure to get to the answer. Hopefully, so. It, uh,
0: it, I love giving out assignments. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where where do you think you are in your progression?
1: Um, you know, I, I definitely see myself uh, – I, I think I've got a long way to go. Um, thankfully, the demographics are kind of in my favor. I'm uh, – gosh, how old am I? I'm 33. Yeah. So, You're a baby. Um, this, yeah, I'm a baby by AR standards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most other – Oh, sorry. I got some dogs fighting right beside me. Um, yeah. So I've I've got some years in me, right? And as we know, you know, on the international scene, your folks in their mid to late 40s are extremely competitive still, because you know it's it's not about you know, uh, speed; it's about the will to continue and you know just minimizing uh, mistakes, and that's more of a team thing than individual yeah. too. So. Um, yeah, I think you know my hope is you know have a successful uh, expedition experience this summer at Oregon, and then just continue to build and continue to build. Um, you know, I set myself a goal. You know, by the time I'm 40, I want a national championship. Um, you know, yeah. TBD what you know organization will be determining that national <laughs> championship. But uh, yeah, that's that's my own personal kind of growth as a racer. Is you know I want one on top of the podium at you know a you know at a national level. Yeah.
0: That's um I, I it's it's nice to hear that i I really like people that are like, yeah, I want to be really good, <laughs> yeah, yeah i I don't like that well, I don't know, I'm just you know going to go out and have a good time, sure, yeah that's no
1: well it I, it's called adventure
0: yeah. <sighs> it's called adventure racing right,
1: right, yeah. yeah um so yeah, what can I say I'm, that's i I is who I is yeah. um I'm definitely a competitive person um and I enjoy winning um yeah. I'm one of apparently I'm one of the few people who uh, you know uh, would call ourselves in a an elite sport, um, and uh, I know many people aren't uh, fond of that word simply because uh, you know call it the tall poppy syndrome or mm-hmm. you know they just got negative connotations with the word elite. But uh, I don't know what else to call it besides you know, people who would do that many sports suffer that greatly. Um, and keep doing it over and over again. Besides elite, yeah. because to me that's you know incredibly impressive and brave and uh, you know uh, partially sadistic. But uh, I I call adventure racers elite, so
2: yeah.
1: I I'm not shameful to admit that I want to be among the best of a sport that's already elite.
0: Well, and it's way better than saying they're all nuts, <laughs> which we are too. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you yeah, uh, there's a part there. Yeah. I mean. The best, the best, the best people I know have at least one screw loose, if not two.
1: And, you, you know, sometimes you know, what is that saying? You know, uh, madness and brilliance are like right beside each other. You know, just one degree of separation.
0: Well, I think it's madness if you don't succeed, and it's brilliant, it's brilliance if you do.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. So just you know, don't stop until you succeed. All right.
0: Okay, here's our first. Uh,
1: what's a, what's JD say? Relentless forward movement. Yep. I always relentless yeah. forward progress. Yep.
0: Constant forward movement.
1: Yeah. Co- constant forward. That, progress. yeah, I like that. That's a, Yep. They're all the same. All,
0: yep. Yeah. You just gotta. If you're sitting, you're not moving, and it's really just a question of just move. <laughs> Which sounds yeah. easy, right?
1: Will you continue? That's all. That's all that adventure racing comes down to is, will you continue? Yes, no.
0: Yeah. You, know, you could just make a decision tree for adventure
1: racing. <laughs> and
0: it would be two. Will you keep going? Yes, no. And then you're done. Yeah. So, um,
1: If no, return I'll to other sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Go to Mud Runs. Ooh, there. A little controversy. <laughs> so, hmm. um, uh, Okay. Here's an easy question. For-profit or not-for-profit organization?
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. Here's another one that I'm, I'm on the outside. I like for-profit. Yeah. Um, and um, it, I don't think that's applicable at all levels. And it certainly doesn't meet the intent of everyone. Like, there are some really great organizations out there that exist purely to, you know, fundraise on behalf of charities. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, who is it? Uh Um, main adventure racing, Cliff White, right. Um, like they're doing some awesome stuff, trying to fundraise and I think Rootstock is a non-for-profit, right? Yep. Um, yeah. yeah, So, you know, different strokes for different folks totally depends on what you're, what you're going for. But why I like for-profit in adventure racing is because we have such an absence of it. Um, and... I I would love for more people to make a living off of adventure racing and adventure racing related activities. Mm -hmm. It's probably not realistic for too many people at least in the current state Um, and even the people who do certainly supplement by doing lots of different styles of races and doing different activities Um, but you know I think if people are trying to like intent on making a profit out of their adventure racing activities then hopefully they're Incentivized to kind of take the actions that would grow their business and cause them to reinvest in their business with profits, um, which should theoretically, you know, benefit the sport. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's room for there's room for all of it. I just think, uh, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't immediately uh, equate for profit with some sort of like greedy greediness on behalf of someone, um, and we shouldn't necessarily equate non-for-profit as like totally um, what's the word? Uh,
0: charitable.
1: Yeah, totally charitable, right? Like, there's like the NFL is a non-for-profit, yeah. right? Um, yeah. so like there, there's benefits to both sides. There's t- absolutely room for both sides. I just encourage people to think about the for-profit side as you know, like definitely a it could definitely benefit the sport as a whole by getting more people to try to actually make a living out of. Uh, adventure racing and putting the level of energy and commitment into trying to make a living out of it. Because what we see is the adventure race organizations that put on the most races, put on the best races, have, you know, the best production uh, value. They're all, they're the few ones that are for profit because, you know, they are trying to make their, you know, their ends meet. They're trying to put food on the table. Um, And when the sport is highly reliant on a lot of, you know, people who are doing it as a side gig or because they love it that becomes really difficult when we want to mobilize as a sport and really drive ourselves to improve and to grow because you're just you're asking more for more of people who already are kind of you know it's it's only something that they do because they love it or because it's you know fun with their friends yeah. as opposed to yeah of course I'm going to continue to try to invest in and try to grow because like it's how I'm going to pay for my kids college
0: exactly yeah it's um, you know, some of the talk about a new you know <laughs> sanctioning body and a board of directors and all that is like, well, that's really great, but you're just asking kind of the same people to put more time into it, and it's like,
1: yeah, that's a good point.
0: I mean, we like we like to do it or we wouldn't be doing it, you know right. but yeah, there comes a point. Yeah.
1: I get a, I'm 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 a hypocrite here in that I am yet another amateur kind of putting in a few hours on the side doing my thing, um, and then encouraging other people to go for profit. Um, mm. But yeah, you're you're boy, you're nailing the head. Uh, you're hitting the nail on the head there, and that is just yep. Um, you know, I, I'm on the emails for the Adventure Race Cooperative as we build it out, and it's it's absolutely all the same people, yep. right? They were it's the true believers. It's the uh, the ones who are truly dedicated to. Trying to grow the sport, and I mean, you got to plant the seed somehow, right? Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. At some point, there, there's we're gonna we're gonna run out of folks. Um, we kind of I've I've talked about it a few times. We have a potential like retirement tsunami headed our way um, in terms of the active racing population and the active RD population. So, we need. Yeah, I mean, we gotta we gotta get the next the next group the next uh, generation in. Big time, both at the RD level, at the racer level, and uh, everywhere in between.
0: Exactly. So, what um, what would you what would you say is the uh, end game for adventure racing? It, it's not going to be an Olympic sport, but, yeah. but where do you think what you know ten years from now or fifteen years from now? What do you think it needs to be to say, "Yep, that's it, it. It made it. It's this is what it should be."
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Are we talking just nationally? Or internationally?
0: Yeah, we can we can start nationally and then we'll move on. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: because yeah, internationally is another whole can of worms that's going to be interesting to play out. But so yeah. so here, I'll tell you mine. I'll show you mine. Then you. Yeah. Show me. I think that if the top five teams in the United States could be sponsored. So, they didn't have any expenses to race. You know, they're not getting the salary. They got to have jobs, but yep. going to races doesn't come out of their pockets. So, you get, if you could get five teams and you yes at that point, I would call that a success.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. I think that is a very good kind of rule of thumb. I like that a lot. Um, a, thing, a few things I'd kind of throw out is, you know, I would love adventure racing as a sport. <clears throat> if not, you know, the general public probably wouldn't care. But at least amongst the you know the active endurance population, to that be at least known enough to be recognized. Of oh, I know what that is mm-hmm. because you know I've I've heard of someone or I've seen something. I recognize that sport exists. Um, not you know whether it's for me or not for me. Um, I think. You know, that level of recognition, at least amongst, amongst the population who could care, Yeah, that would be good. Um, I really like, you know, the, the concept of we have a, you know, 10, maybe even up to 20 organizations who are committed to using Adventure Race as their primary or secondary, you know, um, funding stream that they're putting on races regularly of high enough quality that they're, you know, making a profit out of it and doing it regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly, like, a, uh, some sort of like final alignment between all the races within the U.S. Um, that, like, hey, you know, this is the agreed-upon standard for X, Y, and Z. Um... Not to take away any of the the creative aspect and, you know, like really become like federalized and force people to adhere to a bunch of standards. Um, You know, I don't think we want to be like that. That would just snuff out all the the wonderful like creativity that comes at the individual race organization level. But, um, you know, basically we need to be able as the sport to talk as a single voice when talking external. Like there's no way we're going to catch any sort of – sponsor of significant value like you know a serious you know uh, outdoor goods or outdoor apparel company or outdoor retailer or anything like that until we can actually like you know prove that we are somewhat committed to working all together mm-hmm. so um i don't know yeah. those are kind of the thoughts off the top of my head so do you
0: think um, i mean are, you know a lot of lot of things organizations there's a national championship and then there's a National Cup for a better word, World Cup. Do you think that's what we need to, if we're going to have any chance of uh, bringing in a, a major sponsor for adventure racing?
1: Um, no, not necessarily. Okay. Um, I don't like. I don't. I think we're the kind of sport that can get away with not having championships. Yes. Okay. Um, so. Like, because it's 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 less about uh, I don't know. To me, like, I think there like trail running might have a decent example of that. Like, like who's the you know who's the trail running champion? Is it the winner of Western States? Is it the winner of UTMB? Um, and it it doesn't really matter because it's more about just these like wonderful like events that occur that just like demonstrate and capture like uh, this you know, the spirit of these few committed individuals overcoming just tremendous, tremendous, like, physical and mental obstacles. Um, And, yes, of course, I think we'll have, like, keystone events, you know, pinnacle kind of reoccurring events that really, like, capture, uh, you know, the imagination and the interest of most uh, racers. And then there'll be other smaller, you know, venues and events that that uh, you know are, are more regionalized, but I, I don't think a championship is necessary to kind of secure that level of interest and uh, or funding, um, especially if, like on a sport that sells itself about you know the adventure as opposed to like the racing part of it. Yeah. But I don't
0: know. Yeah. Okay. Well, so which is better, two championships or zero championships? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, maybe. Boy, I don't.
0: zero might be better in the you know for yeah. from a.
1: Can we have a playoffs? There you go. Yeah, what? Or like all right, Nars champ versus user champ. champ. So <laughs> duke it out over twenty four hours.
0: Yeah, man yeah. a man a man a man a man a woman a woman something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, any any thoughts on the uh, international scene?
1: Um, you know, I kind of, uh, despite being the AR nerd, um, I don't watch it quite as much, you know, sure. It's fun to, you know, dot watch, yeah. um, the big ones, but I'm less familiar. Okay. Um, you know, obviously God's Zone captures everyone's attention when that goes on. Um, and just the, my friends down in, uh, yoga slackers, you know, whenever they're traveling around I kind of watch them. So we'll be excited to watch them over and, uh, when they go down to Patagonia, but, um, yeah, nothing there besides, you know, I would state that if, you ever, uh, if you're ever, if ever lining up against Stuart Lynch or Chris Forn, I'd just throw in the flag right then.
0: So, well, not always, because I tell the story of Stu Lynch at Primal Quest, forgot it, the map. <laughs> oh, yeah? So, and they're sitting there, and he's like, where's the map? <laughs> huh? And they didn't have it, so... Um, which... All right. well, they took the they took the penalty the in grades, and took mine. A great skip, yeah. <laughs> right? They get one. So, and they were like, a,
1: apparently, uh, apparently he took that lesson to heart because uh, <laughs> he's kind of been on a roll.
0: But what I liked about it is they sat there and they just kind of nobody screamed and yelled and they're kind of like, well, you know, what do we do? I so, said, you know, he's like, I sort of remember where we're going, or we just wait for another team and follow them. So, mm-hmm. so you know, even in a screw up, they were working on their yeah. options. So.
1: Yeah, isn't that, you know, that's what I, you know, this is hardly a comparison, but in the, the race I just had that we won my team, like, it, it. the difference was, you know, just a few minutes, and the few minutes came out of the fact that the team, like, we were just on it together, we were, we were playing the hot hand when we were navigating, it's like, you know, hey, I messed up, and, uh, you know, my teammate caught it, and then my teammate just took over lead nav until he messed up, and I took, you know, took it back, um, and it's those kind of 1% incremental changes that a really strong team connection Yeah. Um, that that's, that's what differentiates the, the champions I think from the, uh, the also raced.
0: Exactly. So do you have regular teammates or are you in the pickup mode still?
1: Uh, yeah, I've got uh, two buddies for the local races, um, Tom Berry and Matt Bauman. Um, and so they'll travel with me up to uh, to Quest races and down to Bend uh, racing. They weren't quite game for the uh, expedition, yeah. but that's okay. Can't blame yeah. them. <laughs> that's not everybody's cup of tea. But uh, certainly for, uh, you know, we are Team Crank um, racing for the Crank Series. So, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we do a lot of, uh, you know, 3-, 6-, and 12-hour races together. And so uh, especially because Crank Series – Crank Events out of Seattle, um, you know, they, they put on I think five or six weeknight adventure races over the course of the summer. And so it'll be like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, a three hour race from seven to 10 PM. Um, and that's one of the reasons that Crank Events is like, you know, uh, one of the nation's leaders in terms of number of events put on just cause he just, he just puts out these, uh, short races, um, but what's great about that is it's, like, you just get your repetitions in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as a team, like, you just get so much more practice of just showing up, oh, hey, Matt, hey, Tom, you know, haven't seen you in a little bit. All right, let's go. Um, and it just gets you this opportunity to kind of smooth out those kinks and really develop strong team cohesion, um, and it's super fast-paced. And so, like, you just have to, you have to yeah. land on the X every single time. And if you're off by five, ten seconds, per cp next thing you know like you you've lost
0: so well yeah that's good i mean honing honing the knife edge doing that especially when you can keep doing exactly it, you know I, I think that's the hardest part is um well it's like in baja it's like well when's the last time you had the truck out uh a year ago at baja it's hard it's hard to race yeah. when you only race every six months or so Yep. Yeah. so Sure is. it takes half of it just to learn what you're doing so that's that's great that you have all those yeah weekly races that you can you know get your speed in and get your uh, mental the mental part at it
1: yeah just a little little tune-ups in yeah it really is phenomenal yeah.
0: so well let's get to your favorite part
1: <laughs> mm. numbers numbers I love it
0: I hate numbers <laughs> I, I'm <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the sport as a whole does because it's taken me about three years for anyone to listen to me.
0: Yeah. How did um, what, what what, else, what do you learn from numbers?
1: Yeah, data. Uh, <laughs> because I've I've I've,
0: um, I've that is, I've always thought, what do you need all this stuff for? You go out, you do it, you know, and so explain explain it to me, Lucy.
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the idea kind of works like this. Um, so I started the website Adventure Race Hub um, to kind of solve my own problems, which was to find adventure races because I was just sick of, like, Googling, <clears throat> going down through, like, 12 pages of Google results to find, like, some dilapidated old website that hadn't been updated in a while of, you know, hey, is this race still happening? Or are you guys putting it on this year? Yeah. Um, so I built the calendar uh, and the map of all the adventure races that I could find in the U.S. Because I was like, you know what? I can't be alone. And being a military guy, uh, you know, moving every year or two or three, I essentially had to restart um, every time I moved to find the new adventure race, you know, market, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so did that. Uh, it was well-liked. And then I just kind of started to branch it out and like, hey, what else could I do to help? Adventure racing, since I'm not actually an RD myself, yeah. right? I mean, sure, I go to races, so I guess I help by being a racer, but that's not really enough. That's just being a customer. Um, so how can I help? How can I do something that other people aren't doing? How can I do something that uh, would actually contribute to the support uh, sport and help the folks out? Um, and what I realize is what actually who needs help more than the racers are actually the RDs. Because they're, you know, one man or one woman show or maybe, you know, two or three um, with some <clears throat> friends and volunteers. But um, they're, like, it's, you know, it's a lot just to keep the lights on, right, yeah. to get the permits, to get the, the map made, to get it all marked, to, you know, get uh, everything just up to the start line. these folks, especially since, you know, 90% of them are, uh, you know, it's amateur, like not in that they're bad, just amateur in that they're not, you know, doing it uh, full time, mm-hmm. Um I was like, how can I help these people out? Um, and then I realized with my calendar, I'm, I'm actually sitting on some pretty good data. Like nobody, nobody's studying our sport. Like nobody's reporting on it. Whereas like, you know, the uh, triathletes and Xterra and all these folks have like plenty of people making money like on the side on like, you know, and they have uh, race organizations putting out these, you know, valuable uh, – bits of business intelligence that is allowing them to grow the sport, but whereas AR, it's got, like, it's every man or every race organization for themselves to figure it out. And I figured, well, maybe that's something that I can plug in. And so kind of the answer to your question finally is that, you know, I can provide that business intelligence and, uh, you know, hopefully insight that the race directors don't have the time or the ability to produce themselves. Mm. Um, And so if I can – you know, it, it's one thing to collect, you know, data, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a whole nother thing to kind of use that data actually to inform people and help them make better business decisions. So if I know that the most popular race length in 2017 was the eight-hour race length, that can help an RD as they think about their 2018 race, uh, you know, race calendar. And okay, I was thinking about putting on a six and a 12-hour. Maybe I should bump it up to an eight-hour. Um, or if I can tell you that like the most popular month to race in, uh, in the past two years has been June. Well, you're like, okay, it's going to be a pretty crowded marketplace in June. So maybe I should shift this over to July or up to May. Um, if I can tell you that, you know, the average, you know, that 67% of adventure racers only do one race and never return, that can tell you like how to start developing a, you know a retargeting. Uh, marketing campaign to engage those customers to how to try to decrease that rate of uh, you know lost racers and bring people back to uh, attend their second adventure race rather than just losing them on their first yeah. These are all just you know actual real statistics and I'm pulling off the data that i've done recently yeah. so that's like that's ultimately what we can do with the data about adventure races that we can inform the business decisions that all these race organizations are making and hopefully kind of, you know, help them however we can kind of nudge it towards a little bit better every year, right? Mm -hmm. Because just a little bit more, maybe you can get a few more racers, right? And with a few more races comes a little bit more revenue and a little bit more profit. And hopefully that means you can invest a little bit more into the next race and make, you know, the event a little bit more, have a few more bits of swag, maybe, you know, uh, put on another race length or maybe... It's enough profit that you're like, you know what, I'm going to put on a third race next year because this is starting to work. And so maybe you invest in, you know, a better timing system or this, that, and the other. And then we just continue to kind of enforce this this cycle of a little bit invest more, a little bit more help, a little bit more insight. And it all just kind of works together into this healthy churn, what I call a virtuous cycle where we're getting – race directors to like continue to want to invest and grow their own race organization and then turn the sport benefits.
0: Okay. Here's what I'm seeing. Um, If nothing else, race directors are going to see that this and realize, Oh, I'm not the only one. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. All right. I'm not not just shouting in (sighs) the woods.
2: Misery loves company. (laughs) Yeah
0: okay okay that even makes sense to me so you know every the average intelligent person should understand it totally so you've yeah so i'm looking here at the at the the adventure races by year so you've got good data for three years yep are you goodish goodish data you can, um <laughs> Did you ever try to think about going back a little bit to get a little more earlier, or did that just too much work?
1: Um, you it it just gets spot right. Um, some race organizations on their web because I'm totally dependent on the mm-hmm. website. That's where I get all my data, yeah. right? Um. Uh, and some people just kind of overwrite their website okay. each year. And, you know, they only have the most recent stuff. Other people do records by year. Um. Yeah. And you know. So. I, I could take a look at it, uh, but it just, it gets worse the farther yeah. back you go.
0: <laughs> I, I, I feel your pain. So have you gotten to the point yet though, where, uh, race directors are sending you info? If you
1: yeah.
0: got that critical mass. Yeah. I think, yeah.
1: I don't know if it's critical mass, but, but I got some it. true believers who are bought in. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and that's how you start, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you start the revolution. Um, with a few true believers, and so uh, there's actually, you know, I'll I'll be publishing an article soonish, probably in January, I would suspect, by the time I get everything lined up, that um, I work with six race organizations to actually analyze at the racer level across the entire history of those race organizations to identify how frequent, like, you know, to identify customer return rate, um, and that's you know that's to me that's the ultimate grail is like identifying at the individual racer level so we can understand like what racers do um, and the biggest takeaway so far from that is and I said it earlier is that sixty seven percent of adventure racers don't come mm-hmm. back after their first
0: yeah. race yeah
1: and this is across this is ten thousand. Uh, Racers Mm -hmm. that I have Across these six organizations All the races those six organizations put on And so you know I think That's probably pretty uh, Directionally it'd be accurate I'd say Right with 10,000 racers we can Probably guess that there'd be no Major change when they expanded across All racers I think you know Statistically significant uh, sample Size as they would call it Um, And so yeah that's, that's Terrifying to me like we're Bleeding talent like when two thirds of your customers, <laughs> after the first time they try something, they're like, "eh, not coming back." That that's that's a cause for concern.
0: Well, I've said it way more than once. It's like, I'd like to talk to those people that never come back, except they're not in adventure racing. So how can you? Yeah. And I
2: had and I
0: had, yeah. and I had um, one, a gal that did God's Own and swore she'd never do another one, and now she's doing it again next year. Well,
1: that's a hell of a way to step into it. Yeah,
0: but. There are, um, I probably off the you If I really thought about it, there's probably fifteen or twenty people that first race was Primal Quest or Eco or you know, you know something equally ridiculous. So um,
1: yeah. they're there. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's probably a thousand valid reasons, right? Yeah. Like you can't win them all for sure, right? People are going to race and they're like, eh, "I didn't really like yeah. it." You know, I, I want to know what what trail I should take. Um, There'll be people who just have a bad experience. There'll be people who, you know, uh, just a lot of good reasons, right? You lose customers. In any business, you just lose customers. That's just the the state of things. But when you think about how difficult it is to get someone to an adventure race to begin with, like that should light a fire under us to do everything we can to keep our retention rate high. And I talked about this a little bit in that you know that article about why adventure racing, why I think adventure racing is an elite sport, mm-hmm. is like think about all the things that make this sport so difficult to even get to the start line with the gear, the attitude, the uh, you know the comfort, the comfort with the unknown and bushwhacking and all these sort of things. Yes. If you can even get someone to the start line. Now, granted, some of those probably don't know what they just signed up for, so those are valid. Again, those are valid losses yes. that they're not coming back. But you know, we we've got to do something about a 67% loss rate of first-time customers, and that comes. You know, I can't, we can't do it for each race organization. You've got to you've got to send up send follow-up emails thanking them for coming them out. You got to offer them a discount for coming back to their second race. You've got to continue to market to them um, regularly. And that's just, you know, that, again, that gets back to the difficulty that a lot of these race organizations have because it's it's a thing on the side. It's, you know, it's a side passion. It's something a lot of these race organizers do just because they love it. Um, they're not making ends meet. They're not putting food on the table off this stuff. And so they're not incentivized to really try to continue to worry about uh, customer retention rate. And, you know, this 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 is the kind of data that... It, uh, is a perfect example of what i'm trying to do with ar hub is to give them that you know that information like hey we've got a serious leak in the side of the boat here and we got to do something about it
0: yeah um do you have any data on whether the organizations that are doing you know four six hour it in you know expanding to the 12 18 30, are are their retention rates any better or do we not know yet
1: you know, uh, that is – I'm working on it literally earlier today, um, but I'm not quite there yet. I uh, still got to – essentially got to classify every single racer mm-hmm. by what race length they did on the – <laughs> by each race that yeah. they did. So it's, you know, filling in about uh, 10,000 rows on an Excel file. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that will be very interesting that I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, like what does race length have to do with retention?
0: Yeah interesting um
1: i would suspect that you know you see most of your one and done customers at the short length yeah. right because that's that's as it should be right you they show up and they do their kind of introductory you know race their three hour thing and they're like nah not again um which is fine yeah. right
0: yeah um why do you think uh there's 300 plus more hours of racing than in this year than there was two years ago with actually less races.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> a couple points on that. Um, I think, one, I'm getting better at, you know, recording races. Okay. So, uh So my 2015 numbers for number of races, which was 159, versus my 2017 number of races, which was 154, Um I think part of that's I'm just getting better at determining what is an adventure race because you know there's there's some funky races they kinda they're adventure-ish but I don't really know what to call them um, and sometimes I kind of I think I may have given you know more credit than credit was due yeah. on some of these things um, but I mean. I would have to say between 2016, where we saw 141 races, yeah. and 2017, where we saw 154 races, with about 130 hours of racing between those two years. Like, I think it's actually because the sport is starting to do better, <laughs> uh, if I may be so bold. Um, and we see it. We see it primarily those hours coming out of. Um, you know some of the larger or more established race organizations mm-hmm. expanding um, so adventures you know adventure enablers launching more races uh, bend racing launching more races and then the uh, uh, the launch of a you know whole new race organization soggy bottom boys um, you know mm-hmm. with you know, I think he put on like a what was it, at least a 24hour race and then a 18 and a 12 or something like that so Um, yeah, like, I'm hesitant to say that the sport is, uh, is growing because we got plenty of problems we need to address, but it looks like if my records are mostly right-ish that we're doing slightly less bad. I'll go that bold.
0: Uh, trending. We're, we're trending. Trending.
1: Trending upward. We're trending upwards.
0: Do you have a, how do you, how do you decide if it's an adventure race? I mean, I, I imagine a lot is yeah, simple, um, but. but
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's some weird ones out there. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm liberal with it. Okay. Like, I call it is it multi sport? Yes or no? And does it require navigation? Okay. Yes or no? Um, <clears throat> that's kind of a, you know, and is it a competition? Mm-hmm. So, uh, pretty liberal um, by that definition, I'd say. Um and so a few things that – I'm sure there's a few races on there that folks wouldn't – like, you know, some of the diehard, you know, uh, guys over on Attack Point wouldn't call adventure races, yeah. but um – yeah, I don't know. Like, is it really going to hurt us if we call this thing that, like, it has biking, it's got trail running, it's got some paddling, and part of part of the course requires navigation, but not all of it. If I call that an adventure race, are we really hurting the sport by, like, promoting it and putting it on a calendar and making the adventure racers aware of it? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, Does it screw up my numbers? Yeah, a little bit, but, you know, with 150 of them or so. Like one of them doesn't make a significant dent.
0: Yeah, and we're a niche sport in a corner of a small thing. <laughs>
1: so. yeah. yeah, that's not. I don't think we're in a good position to be picky yeah. about anything.
0: Um. So, so the I'm kind of interested in the you know the num which state had the most and hours and stuff. Does any of that surprise you? It, it kind of doesn't when I look at it because. I mean, what, the top? One, two, three, four. Well, you know, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Florida seemed right. Washington yep. kind of Kentucky. surprised me. Well, Washington, but you've got,
1: we kind of sneak in because, yeah, Crank Events yeah. just keeps putting out a bunch of three hour weekend yeah. races. So, um, yeah. When you look at Washington by number of hours, we fall way down.
0: Yeah. yeah um
1: but yeah no it's uh, like nothing surprising i think it's it's just kind of fun to see the the like the battle at the top yeah. not that these guys really consider themselves to be battling out for first place cuz what do they care but well uh, they might now you know
0: you know yeah.
1: they might i hope so right yeah. i hope there's a little i hope i can uh, you know engender a little bit of pride and uh, you know uh you know, healthy competition there that, you know, you know, maybe Ron or, or Mark or <clears throat> the fellows down at 361 decide to, you know, like, you know, what, let's add one more race length just, just because. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, no, it, it's no surprise, right? The the big organizations and the states that they call home is, is where, you know, adventure racing lies with the kind of exception being PA, which is just benefits from being, you know, home to a number of medium sized race organizations.
0: Yeah, it all worked out. I was also kind of surprised that California actually had six races. It's like, really?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they kind of sneak in there. They're quiet, right? Yeah. Um, but, so. yep. Um, <clears throat> like All Out and, uh, what is it? Uh, NorCal AR and yeah. um, Gold Rush, right? Yeah. So, yep. They're over there. Yep. Yeah. We just don't keep- I don't think you hear about them. We're definitely an East Coast-centric uh, race. So
0: Yeah, which, well, and I... I
1: or sport.
0: Yeah, I kind of would have thought maybe, because it sort of seems like the Midwest is a fair amount, but they're kind of right in the middle. So Yeah, yeah. yep. But, yeah. Um, have you, you know, in the studying the data and looking at it and all that good stuff has there ever been anything that you just jumps out at you like wow that's that's cool or really or do you ever do you ever have an aha moment looking at this stuff
1: um hmm maybe i maybe not simply cuz i'm staring at the it time. all the time um
2: yeah.
1: probably the worst person to ask <laughs> right um
0: well, that's true because I just look at it, and the, you know, like that Cal- California sort of jumps out. Like, oh yeah,
1: yeah. Oh,
0: so. I understand yeah, that. that. Yeah,
1: actually, yeah. Let's let's reverse this. Like, all right, all right, Randy, you're, you're being interviewed yeah, right now. Um, what's what's jumped out at you?
0: Um, the hours of Florida, you know, almost okay, two hundred yeah. hours of racing. So that's. I mean, I know they have a lot of races, and but that to me, yeah, other than like C to C, they all seem like really really short. But, let's, yeah. but they it's, have 10 I mean, of it's them. amazing.
1: FLX. Yeah. Yeah. Ron just, he pumps them yeah. out like one practically every holiday or every month. And then every race that he puts on typically has three race lengths. And so it'll be like a eight, a three, and a one yeah. or a 12, a six, and a two or something like that. So he makes good use of his time. That's for yeah. sure, and I mean, I, as I understand it, I haven't talked to him too in depth, but he's got a pretty good uh, network of people putting on these races. So uh, we credit I credit Ron and FLX, but really, I know there's a whole team down there making it a really successful um, race organization.
0: Yeah, and I I always make fun of anybody that races in Florida. It's like, well, how do you navigate? But it, it just yeah, makes it right. it just makes it harder. It's hard to navigate on a pancake. Yeah. So. That's
1: true actually like yeah I'm I'm a mountain guy so if I went over there I'd be I'd be hosed. Yeah. and like, I I totally rely on like what what's my elevation all right let's
0: go Yeah exactly Um so do you have an end game with adventure race hub or is just do you just wanna help
1: Um yeah I guess my end game is to be unnecessary yeah. Um you know Whatever the future holds for uh, the race or the sport as a you know a cooperative or as a uh, organized national entity, I hope a lot of what I do kind of gets consumed over there um, and provided um, not as you know some sort of you know random guy running a website, but as like an a purposeful a product put out by the organization that's in charge of making sure our sport succeeds and flourishes in, uh, North America. Yeah. Um, and besides that, I mean, you know, like I've, this, running this website's taught me a lot too. And I've, uh, you know, been able to marry up a couple different skill sets, um, and use it as opportunity to, you know, learn a lot about uh website and e-commerce and, you know, how to, apply data science to you know a sport that or just to a whole industry that really doesn't really see it um so you know there's certainly been uh my own developmental gain that came out of this um but yeah no not really i guess just doing what i love
0: okay um which do you spend more time at your training or on the website (laughs)
1: <laughs> I guess, um, you know, the training probably adds up yeah. uh, more, you know, I'm able to squeeze in the hour most mornings before I head off to work. Um, the, the website kind of, it goes in booms and busts like, you know, in the summer, I'm not sitting around working on a website. So all my, all my stuff comes out over the winter, um, yeah. you know, besides trying to maintain the accuracy of the calendar. But that only takes a few minutes yeah. most weeks, but, um, so, well,
0: good. Yeah. Then it gives me some. Give, could probably
1: spend more time training, though.
0: Yeah, it gives me somebody to talk to in these uh, in the off season, so to speak. So,
1: it's, yeah, yeah. This is my time to shine. Right. Everyone else is, uh, you know, just uh, off, relaxing. Now, now it's game time for AR Hub. That's
0: right. It's fat season for everybody else. So, and, and yeah, this is actually, winter, I've been wanting, Yeah, been wanting to do this, and it's like, well, I'll just, you know, talk to all you guys and. I said, like, "Well, I'll do it in the middle of the winter when it's hard. It's hard to get race reports and talk to people that have been racing recently." So,
2: but yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, I got one. I got another homework assignment for you.
1: All right, I'm game. Okay,
0: I want a page, a website, a something where you can do a. You could go in, put yourself down. Put all your all the people you've ever raced with, and then be connected by you know a six degrees of separation to all the people they've been raced raced with. I want
1: we need Kevin Bacon in racing
0: exactly because <laughs> you know I yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably no more than three degrees of separation to JD from anybody in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably a fair bet. Yeah, um, yeah it's like. Hey, look at me! You know, I I was only two degrees away from uh, racing with Mike Closer. There you go. Um, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so there's your other homework assignment. Okay,
1: yeah. So. Yep, I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm a. i am just need every every single ra- adventure races results ever. No, you you set it people up. Just send those to me.
0: No, no you <laughs> you set it up so that I can go in, and I put down, and I put all the people I've raced with.
1: Oh I got you. Okay. So you don't have to yeah. you
0: just have to set up the the all the squigglies and ones and zeros. And it's not ones and twos. I hate people that say work on the ones and twos. It's ones and zeros. So sorry for the rant. <laughs> but <laughs> so um all right. I'm done. I've talked to you. I've I've learned something. I know I know right. about data mining. I don't know what you do with it but I understand it now so
1: um yeah that it serves it's hopefully serves its purpose otherwise what on on God's earth am I doing here
0: exactly so well I hope people listen and appreciate what you guys are all doing and you're you know this is it's not glamorous what you guys are doing but sure seems uh helpful
1: yeah we hope so um and if I can, before we leave, I'd love to give, like, a few kind of final, like, shout-outs or whatever you might call it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so for those who uh, – well, I'm sure I'm just kind of preaching to the crowd here of the AR uh, dedicated, but, you know, there, there are definitely efforts underway um, to kind of bring, bring kind of a, an umbrella uh, – know system in place to support the entire race organization um and so mark and uh, both the marks are kind of like helping spearhead this mm-hmm. ar cooperative we're not quite sure where it, it's it's going to end up but like we're trying to build a national level organization that will provide all the necessary resources and support that you know that so that race directors know that they're no longer alone and that they'll have somebody Worrying about the big stuff so that they can focus on you know the race, the races themselves. Yeah. Um, and so I, I know we got a lot of the true dedicated folks working hard. I'd like to thank them. And uh, if if you're interested in that kind of stuff, uh, reach out to me or just post there on the the Facebook or uh, Attack Point um, forums, and we'll definitely get you linked in. Um, there's good stuff going on. So help is on the way, folks. Help is on the way, yep.
0: and uh, probably going to have both. Both the marks on pretty shortly too, so as I Good. as I told yeah. Mark Lutansy, you want to come on and talk about the shit storm you started.
1: <laughs> God bless him. I'm glad he did. Yeah. I would like to think hopefully, like my voice was helping kickstart this the shit storm. Yeah. Um, His answer is
0: which one? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yep, yeah. I'd also uh, also say you know shout out to the upcoming AR summit in January. Mm-hmm. I'll be there, cool. so if you ever want to you know punch me in in person, I'm welcome to it. Um, and hopefully, I'll be presenting a bit on that racer retention and how to you know calculate future profitability of your race um, using uh, existing uh, customer data. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be pretty awesome.
0: That's cool.
1: And uh, yeah, so
0: and i I've been talking.
1: Things I think things are moving. Yeah. Things are moving. It feels like it. Haven't you know? Been watching the sport very actively for about three years now. It, it like, I'm starting to see a little bit of sunshine.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm. It, yeah, I'm. I. It's going. It's going up. It's getting better. I think. My what? Yeah. Almost uh, geez, nine years since since Primal Quest. So we'll. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I... At least there's a lot of really cool races. You can't take that away from us.
1: Yeah. No, no, we can't. Um, I I feel like the number of cool races, and maybe, again, I'm like a guy who's kind of glued to it, so I'm clearly very biased, but it seems like the number of cool races are improving.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it. Racers want well-done, good-quality races, and I think you're going to help them find them. I hope so. All right. I got a... I got a bird. Alright,
1: thanks, Randy. It's been uh great. I've been so excited to get on this thing. Cool. So
0: alright. Well, go have some beers and don't crunch any more numbers tonight. You got it. Alright, thanks.
1: Alright, all right.
3: bye. Insane in the membrane.